0: Be grateful for challenges, because had there been no difficulties and no thorns in the way, then man would have been in his primitive state and no progress made in civilization or mental culture. A quote by Dr. Anandi Gopal Joshi, born as Yamuna in Mumbai. She was the first Indian woman to study Western medicine in the United States. She received her MD in 1886 and returned to India immediately to practice medicine. Hello, my name is Malati and this is my show titled The Impressive Emperors, where we talk to women leaders, women who have had a humble beginning and have forged their way to leadership, a position to which they have been elevated thanks to their selfless efforts at making a positive difference to the world. Leadership is not for everyone. Leadership is built on one's character, sometimes requiring the leader to take tough decisions, at times going against the will of the majority. But real leaders are genuine in their concern for their co-humans. I'm extremely delighted today to be talking to my dear friend, Dr. Kalyani Sundari. Kalyani, as she was called in our school, had decided quite early on that she wanted to be a doctor. With a post-graduation in family medicine and hospital management, she is currently pursuing another master's degree, this time in rural surgery. She has also undergone training in tropical medicine, early trauma management and is a trained ATLS provider. She is also a master-level instructor in disaster management in crisis situations. Starting her physician's career at Trivandrum in Kerala, where she served for nearly eight years, she joined the Indo-Tibetan Border Police Force and went on to become the Chief Medical Officer there. Since 2014, working with MSF, Medicine Sans Frontier, or Doctor Without Borders as it is widely known, she has a health worker in an isolation unit involving inpatient care, triage outreach activities and national staff health care for a period of five weeks at Liberia treating Ebola patients. I warmly invite you to join us in our quest to understand how Kalyani has made herself the impressive empress. So, hi Kalyani, good to see you, good to connect with you after a very, very long time. I'm really excited that you're part of this show. So welcome to the program titled The Impressive Empress, where I'm trying to uh, understand how leadership works with women and uh, how these women perceive leadership. Hi, Malte. After such a long time,
1: it's wonderful to be in touch with you again. And it's an honor to be the part of the bigger venture you're planning for. We are talking about leadership, right? When we talk about leaders, what do you say? Geniusness is 99% hard work and 1% inspiration. Similarly, leadership is maybe 1% of born leaders, but the 99% are leaders who made themselves into leaders. And I would visualize a leader as a person to whom the team or, a people or the people would be looking upon to resolve their issues. Probably the person has to be a good team worker. The person should have the mindset to accept the responsibilities, who would be willing to walk the extra mile. And to so say that a leader is a person who who is capable of sharing the praises but shouldering the errors on himself this is my perception then this is what i feel and your your uh, question about female leaders and i was quite surprised why you had made mention that female part of it be male or female leader is a leader right and are women not always the leaders <laughs> it's a question it's not about a large number of people i come from a place where every mother would be a would be a leader to me naturally when she runs it she will not, not take the credit for it. she finances she budgets it, she runs it she she faces the hardships, she never backs down in case of adversities. she keeps it running smoothly, and then she has all the responsibility of inculcating the moral values in her children, accept their errors, nurture them, inspire them. So, every mother is a leader, and women being capable of multitasking, I would say, like women are, if you want to say, born leaders, yeah. Every woman, once at least they reach the age of being a motherhood, they really put all their talents to be the leader for their own family, right?
0: So, I think you have uh, uh, explained that really beautifully. It is very true, but not every mother actually takes credit for that, yeah. So why this question of women leaders is more important for me to understand is that I live in a place where this is really being focused and coming from India, we kind of tend to treat these equally, at least in the urban part of the world, uh, urban part of India. But uh, I find that this is not the case globally. So just wanted to understand how it is different for different countries or different cultures.
1: From my experience I would say I was in a field where men were the dominant part when I was in my uh, paramilitary forces but still there even Mm. it was always that you are treated for what you are worth it's never about the gender I was definitely the uh, best outgoing at it of our training batch which is not a big one but it was six four men and two women and uh, we had to do everything at par with them be it for, uh, other things but then i was always judged what is my capability and what is uh, what is it i'm worth for or how mm-hmm. do i fare in a particular thing not because it was there was never a leniency that just because a woman i should be given more leniency or they are the other way. So I never found that that was a barrier. And personally, I would feel like when I and in my job, which I am now with the Medicine Frontiers as well, I feel that we are valued for what we are and not just because we belong to one particular gender.
0: Uh, maybe
1: in the initial stages, being I mean. It would take some time to establish yourself, but if you are very clear cut about what you see yourself in, or where you would like to be in a few years of time and work towards it, I think think nothing can shock you whether you are male or female, it doesn't matter. I think it applies universally for everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say in a current world there is not much, yeah, there is a lot of, and cry about like okay, women should be empowered with like what you say I meet people every time um, whenever I am and I'm quite surprised like there are unsung heroes or heroines everywhere in the world who just put on the mantle in a traditionally uh, male dominated field or something just because it was the only thing they had to do like there was no other option for them they don't go blaring about like okay I'm doing this or that but they silently keep doing like for example I read an article two weeks back that there were two young women who in a remote part of India in in Uttar Pradesh were Running a haircut saloon, cutting hair for men, understand in India. It can be like unisex uh, saloonist or stylist, but it's not the other way around. I was like surprised, and they said, like, initially they had to dress up like men because once their dad felt sick, they had to keep it going for finances, and then gradually people started accepting them. And I always find women drivers, I find uh, women mechanics in the small you know the small uh, shops not the bigger ones one might show for repairing bikes and stuff like that all independently running it and uh, well there are people who do uh, a different kind of job just because for them it was a way to do it not because they wanted to show that the world that they're capable of doing it is because it's a way of life for them there will be always everywhere in the world people silently doing a job but not taking credit for it but then like what you said whether they would be given the amount of focus or whether they are actually inspiring and
0: motivating others they have not been given the exposure right but uh, maybe you could tell me a little bit more about your experience in Iraq or uh, Mosul or Yemen or your Ebola treatment for the African continent in Liberia. So could you talk about what inspired you or what drove you to this kind of a career path?
1: I think first I will have to uh, be grateful that I've got a family being quite supportive in doing the unusual things, which I would do without giving a second thought like, in that way. Second thing, uh, they just taught me the basic values of what is right and wrong and they give me uh, so much of liberty to choose what I wanted to do. Probably didn't appreciate it when I was growing up, but then standing Mm -hmm. at this point in my life, I understand that how much it must have been uh, causing them anxiety and how they had still encouraged me to do what i wanted to do i mean i'm a person like i just do things and then or tell them like okay i'm going to do this probably they have faith in me that i would do things rightly and not deviate That was one big thing (laughs) yeah the unconditional support but of course it was a lot of sacrifice there's always a cost to it the duties which as a doc, daughter, I wouldn't be able to do at times. I was always taken up by my siblings. I have learned to appreciate it. Initially, I was in my own balloon. But then, as a child, like growing up in certain aspects. I <laughs> appreciate that what people are trying to do for me and try to reciprocate. But then, you remember, like, I was crazy about reading everything I could get about it. And then, I think I came across something. And it did change my perspective, like, never ever compare yourself because when you are comparing you are limiting your potential so that was one lesson which I picked up
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then the the exposure we were given compared to these days with the books and with the environment we were growing up it made a tremendous difference uh, in what I decided to do with my life So like at one point of time talking that i wanted to be an astronaut and then still when i realized that i'm not good enough in math and to change it a slightly here yeah i would be a doc- doctor but actually would like to go to the moon <laughs> I there was a particular
0: event when i saw one of my relative actually like asking a doctor i have to ask you to pause i can't I can't imagine when was Kalyani not good in maths and physics. I have to really think about it. <laughs> no. uh, doing, doing something
1: which you enjoy and think just because you have to get a good grade are totally different thing. <laughs> I saw my uncle asking the doctor for a few months of life so that he could do his duties as a father. It made me realize how much of Privileged position a doctor is and what he can do to people. Thereafter, it stuck to my mind that I be a doctor. That's it. And I still remember my very first day as a being like on my own. I when I was a doctor, like the first patient I declared dead as on my own. I was very not sure. I was like scared stiff. Gets up again and walks. People are going to kill me. <laughs> you grow up and then somewhere along the way, I did realize that. Uh, doctors are not saving lives, doctors are there as tools to, to if, if a patient is time to live, the doctor is there with the right equipment, right set of mind and the patient lives, yeah. we don't blame the Almighty God. It was a realization which made me look back about many things in life. You're to the fact that you're always having the death around the corner and you never take everything for granted. That was one and then when I decided to join the Indo-Tibetan border police, I was like, well, somebody is there at the Tibet border, why not me? So how can I do it? And It's basically like somebody is there, if they don't take me, somebody is going to be there, so why don't I try? It was marvelous. It was a wonderful experience. I had a lot of mentors there who helped me to be the person who I am. Especially I had one, uh, the IG who, who retired as an IG, Dr. DK Sharma, who was quite well-read, who was like, who was my uh, person who was leading a training as, at the top level. And uh, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. quite thankful to him. Like. The way he gave the perspective of how to be a female among female officer among all the odds, like he never discouraged uh, about anything. Always fantastic opportunities to realize my full potential. When I came finally decided to join MSF, it was like a total changeover for me from from a from a very hierarchical lifestyle to one where it's a totally civil lifestyle, where you are valued as a person because you have a capability to hold that position, not because you're a doctor or whatever. So I, it made me realize what this humbles us. We realize saying sorry is not a bad thing. But you wouldn't believe me if I say that it, the most difficult part of me was to say sorry to people. I would work as hard as possible so that I don't need to say sorry to anyone. <laughs> I remember my school days where I was so egoistic and I was so like thinking that um, that is uh, self-respect. I realized that it doesn't matter whether I'm right or wrong. Even if if me saying sorry to someone would help the person in front of me a little bit to feel better, it was it serves a purpose. Why should I be always right or wrong? There's nothing like box like to say this is right or this is wrong to someone from their perspective this was wrong to me it was right so that sort of maturity is what I gained from working in a multicultural environment to be assertive but not to be like argumentative these are things which I gradually learned when quite after a lot of uh, things in life I mean life teachers you it all from, from MSF so uh, they're the same like and now my colleagues keep asking me why do you want to do PG at this stage? Why why post graduation now? Why did you want mm-hmm. to do surgery now? <laughs> yeah, I always wanted to be a surgeon. I never joined anything else because I wanted only surgery. But I also realized that I had not worked hard enough to get into the bonds. So when I got it, I decided okay, rural surgery was a good option. So people ask me like Mm, okay, don't you think it's a bit difficult at this? Well, yeah, it might be. But it's good, like, whether I go and operate or not, if I could learn something, which at some point of time would help someone somewhere, it would purpose, like, right? You feel that was what we faced in Ebola, like the, the emotionally being drained away, we didn't do much. We just, for one hour every day, we used to go and see our patients. But it was emotionally taxing
0: for a doctor to be not able to do anything for the patient. I was really following your Facebook post during your Ebola days. I really want you to uh, tell the audience a little bit about uh, what you were doing there and uh, how you were actually able to do your little mite, whatever it was. Uh, to those patients and uh, the, the kind of leadership that... I, I'm not sure if you had a team of doctors with you. I'm sure you were part of a team. So could you talk a little bit about those days? and uh... I was a part of a team of uh, a lot of experts, not, not
1: just doctors like epidemiologists, doctors, specialists in internal medicine and everybody else. For MSF such even though we were dealing with Ebola for quite some time, in most of the other situations, it was always well contained. It was not an epidemic, like or it never uh, grew up to this level. And it was the first time we were also facing it in such a big manner. So I think things have changed changed a lot now. I, I'm because of my studies I was not able to go for this current epidemic in Congo but my colleagues keep telling me that we have come a long way after that. So basically I was a frontline Ebola worker. We had an amazing national staff team who would be comprised of the nurses, physician assistants, lab technicians and all. We were having a setup where uh, we would bring in the Ebola patients, screen them out and then contain them and treat them when they recover them, test them and then, then we take them back, integrate them with their communities. So there were psychosocial workers, uh, there were um, the outreach groups or the community health workers, a big team of course. Um, the thing was like as a doctor when when like for example when a community health worker goes to the community educates people about what is ebola they do did something like okay they did the justification for what they were meant to be but for us doctors like we had uh, shifts when we were to go inside the unit and uh, we were totally like wearing all this protective gear and everything and then uh, you lose your identity as a doctor it doesn't matter like everybody is wearing the same a person who's maintaining the cleanliness is also clothed in the same and you're also clothed the same the patient is a different thing like the patient is like most of the time delirious or if at all they are conscious they are worried that they are about their own state of health that they don't also think about you as a doctor or what you stand for. I realized like, stripped of whatever we carry as a doctor, as a person, the way we approach the patients, the way we interact with the patients, the way we examine them, this is all a whole series of exercises which will inspire the confidence of the patient and allows you to treat. And in the end, you also derive tremendous satisfaction. Shipped of all this, just as a person how can you help a patient, it was a big question most often you fail in it because the patient doesn't realize you, the patient doesn't recognize you, you are not able to execute your clinical skills or come to a definite diagnosis everything is a question mark and then at the end of the day you go in the morning and then Next day morning, when we come for the duty, we are all looking at the board who made it in the night or who didn't make it. So that was an ex. That is an emotionally uh, uh, draining experience. Uh, now it's not the the setup is a bit different. Where you can constantly monitor them. We have brought in a lot of electronic gadgets so you can keep track of that and all that. But that was definitely a different uh, time. And um, then I then I was like. What I have associated myself as a doctor was with the stethoscope I and when mean, you are not even able to use a stethoscope it seemed pointless. Once in my early days of my practice like uh, when I was doing private practice in Trivandrum I had one of my uh, patients, she was an elderly lady who had come with an ulcer and had got admitted. So when we were doing, when I was doing the rounds and I just uh, inspected a wound and gave the instructions for the day, And when I was about to leave, she caught hold of my sari and said, Doctor, you did not examine me. I said, no, I did examine you. She said, you didn't put your stethoscope on me. We we have a lot of gadgets like okay we don't need nowadays doctors don't do it the nurses or the people outside will do it you you just need to interact with the patient and it's getting more and more complex like you don't even need to a patient comes with already the diagnosis the googling and you just need to explain to them so it, it's, Google is taking away your job <laughs> <laughs> but still the human compassion I I realize more and more. I realized as a person, like, is this the way I would like to be treated by my doctor? Is this the way, If would I feel happy if my doctor doesn't interact with me? If my doctor doesn't actively listen to me? So, and that was like, for me, like, when, when with this mindset, when I went to that Ebola, it was like a little bit like questioning, like, what am I doing here? Am I really doing what I set out to achieve here? Fine. But it's a team work. We all had our slot you cannot go every time even if I was interested in one patient I cannot go again I had my strict protocols to follow uh, but still I think uh, as a team we did a good job there. Um, mm-hmm. but this uh, I think the most happiest moment for me in that was like uh, when one of the patients like when I went the next day he asked me like why didn't you come in the morning i was expecting you in the morning and i said like how did you recognize me He said like by your wife and i'm like yeah that's great wow <laughs> so that's just the, the happiness i felt when a patient says that he could identify you just because i spent two more minutes with him by talking to him that was the only thing we could offer to them or feed them or explain
0: to them and that was good, huh? that makes you feel good. Leading. Uh, Leading with I, compassion has its, uh, has its positivity, definitely. That is something, now I make it a point like
1: I might have thousands of things on my mind.
0: Uh,
1: I may have a patient who's struggling for life and I might be sitting in the OPD, but it is no justification to say that I was preoccupied, so I couldn't give you the time you deserve. That is a wrong concept. Either give hundred percent or don't give at all. So, and, uh, So, uh, war injuries in Mosul and uh, Iraq. They had their own limitations. So, uh, resource limited settings, and uh, we had to accept. This was something I learned that uh, you accept what you cannot do. Okay, you can try your best and then you just have to accept that every patient you're not going to be able to bring them back to where they belong. So Mm -hmm. that is something like, yeah, because I've heard one of my national doctors like when I was pushing him really hard because he was the one who had to do it because of certain uh, protocols that I wanted a IV line on a burns patient we couldn't get the line so I wanted him to do a procedure to put the IV line in and he said like I'm pretty busy I'm do, going to do a caesarean section and I'm like you know about a burns child you need to start it right now 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 and he didn't reply me but later after a few hours he came and told me like look you come from a different part of the world and I come from a different part of the world this child is having almost 50 per, more than 50% burns what do you want to do by putting an IV line in the middle of nowhere and what do you think you're going to offer this child you might prolong the agony nothing else and I was like how can you talk like this as a doctor you have, our job is to just save people try to do our level best He said like sometimes it's just trying to be like that it was, of course, what he meant was true. Like, he said, like, if God willing, the child will survive, it will survive. Why are you pushing me hard to put the IV line? And I did realize, like, what he was saying is in a way true because we were in a very uh, primitive setup. This child with 50% bones might survive for a day, then we'll go for the bones complications, sepsis, shock, we didn't have anything except for a few antibiotics. And I was like, uh, yeah, what I, I, then he was saying, like, by God grace, if the child recovers through all this, what about the contractions, who's going to rehabilitate the child and I'm like, I didn't have an answer, <laughs> like, so yeah, you learn, you learn all the way, people teach you, like, it's only that you have to have an open mind to actually understand what people are trying to tell you in a very polite way or in mm-hmm. between the lines, but then people teach you a lot of things and it's amazing to learn from people, you know, yeah, all walks of life everywhere when you meet people it's very nice and interesting i'm sorry i've been talking and talking
0: <laughs> Good. yeah no it's it's a, it's a, it's a very uh, uh, i should say i'm really lucky to be to learn this firsthand from you because in it you know i work in the it sector and uh, we we are always told of this uh, VUCA scenario which the volatile uncertain complex and ambiguous scenario and imagine to to hear what you have gone through and uh, it it fulfills all of these conditions and a lot more. Today we add a couple of more Bs to this, like disruptive and diverse. And you have done it all. So uh, I I gather that you know leadership uh, uh, along the journey it's a it's a continuous learning process that one has to go through. And uh, uh, as a doctor, the patient and the life of the patient is more dear to you, and that is what keeps you going yeah
1: yeah so that is what somebody when we were talking about like with some people we were inter- interacting in uh, one of the projects like they were like for a photo shoot and then we had malnourished kids and we were treating them and we we tried to recover as much as possible but you still happen to lose one or two of the kids and the day we were shooting uh, having a photo shoot one of our patients died and uh Of course, all the staff are a little bit morally upset and all that. And uh, they were saying, how do you guys keep going when when you feel that all your efforts have been in vain? And I was telling them there is no time to even grieve about your loss because there is somebody else who is already in the line demanding for your attention. So most of the places where we work in MSF, this is a fact of life. Uh, we as human beings we take the emotional uh, toll of it, we we suffer because we sometimes in spite of our best int- intentions we lose patience and then there are always sometimes patients who would really were well, smart kids and all and you really wanted this child to recover and everything and you lose them and then is there a time to think about it because you're already in demand like you are already looking at another one who's much more worse or who needs much more better care and then you keep going that is what you, That is what keeps you going like there's no point no time to reflect and think and grieve like you just go along with the flow because there's much more many things to be done and and then, when you take a break and you come back home, it's a strange phenomenon. Once I finish working and come back after a project, and even if somebody at home tells me, Hey, I've got a headache, I'm like looking at them, Oh, yeah, you're having a headache. I'll just keep quiet. You <laughs> come across as a machine then. <laughs> no, you give so much in your projects, and then when you come back, you're totally off it. And then you're like, hmm, Okay fine, okay, this means they're telling you that they want something, okay, fine. Or it takes some time for, for it to enter into your consciousness that you're being looked upon as a doctor.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's an emotional drain. I mean, for us uh, managing, you know, for us uh, in the corporate world, uh, moving from one project to another and handling these multiple emotions of life and... Uh, uh, that itself is emotionally draining. So, uh, for someone who's working at MSF and uh, these kinds of uh, uh, destructive and volatile environments, what do you do, or what kind, What is the kind of training that one goes through? Uh, it's not only really emotionally draining,
1: but it's also addicting. We call them as hardcore MSF people who cannot stop them. Who are like addicting in the sense, you understand that human beings always have this need to be needed. I remember in my first few years of my practice, I couldn't stop myself. I had to see patients every day. If I don't see patients, then it's as if you didn't do anything for the day. It was like hardly I would have uh, maybe at the max seven days break or otherwise Mm -hmm. I had to constantly see patients. It was something which you had to do. Otherwise, you don't feel when you come to MSF. It's something like you want to come, you want to keep on going to such projects where you want to keep on doing things for that that you can't even appreciate what is normal and what is abnormal. I I remember the first time when we when you finish a malnourished project and when you come back to a a European airport and when you see the kids, you are like, wow, this this kid is healthy. Yeah. For you to get adjusted to the normal world back again. So, our Mm -hmm. organization normally we have when we are going to the project as well as when we come out back from the project, we always have a a psychosocial counseling. They uh, help us to talk about what we found good and they try to let us know at what point we are or whether we are burnt out because everybody in MSF. Uh, always uh, are told never to get burnt out then you are no longer useful to the organization anymore so this is something that yeah. to keep doing yeah it helps yeah uh,
0: so as doctors you are very very valuable to the society and yes it's it's interesting to note that uh, the doctors also need some psychosocial counseling I think it's very important uh, to keep your sanity intact.
1: Like one of the, the mentor who I was talking about,
0: he used to tell me that
1: uh, I should, uh, he, I used to ask him how does he find time among his busy schedule to give for his family. So he used to tell me the balance you achieve is by giving quality time, not the quantity of time. So that is something I try to practice like, Balance. When I am back at home, I just do being a daughter. That's it. When I feel I'm just being, I I'm not a super mom. I cannot carry out all that. Sometimes I feel saying, if I had kids, would I be brave enough to leave my kid back home and then uh, venture out in the world? I know put test to that idea, but I'm pretty sure that I wouldn't like to miss any stage of my child growing up. I think I
0: better stick on with this role where I can do justification. So how do you manage all these energy levels? It it's it's really uh, demanding on your uh, not just your emotional strength but physically also. Uh, so could you could you probably, you know, share the secret behind that? I was blessed enough to have a good constitution, I guess. Uh, But then given
1: that as I've of late I've realized that we most often don't appreciate it's a blessing to be given such a wonderful body without any major defects and we should nurture and nourish it, right? Sometimes uh, due to various circumstances we forget about it. But I would say the the secret would be to keep yourself happy, never to regret whatever you do. You just accept that you... You did something, it turned back, there's no point in worrying, you did it, you accept the responsibility, keep moving. That's the thing, like in a way I found it weird because I always from from childhood I mean, the last time I literally cried was to get my own way when my mother would not allow me to take part in that uh, drama, which we were enacting. I don't know whether you remember it in the school. She said, no, you guys can't go to
0: the university.
1: <laughs> that was the last time I was trying for two hours to get my way so that she will accept me. But after that, it was like <laughs> it was like uh, anything is like, if nothing, nothing grieves me much like, i have lost i mean i have lost my relations my grandmas and everyone it was somehow in the back of mind that if i could do something i'd better do it when they're alive there's no point of feeling the loss after they're like grieving about it after they are gone or maybe it's my temperament nothing keeps me down for long i cannot hold on to anything which is upsetting me for more than half an hour that's it after that Mm. i'm already into my another routine or something maybe that Keeps me in a better frame of mind, and that's good for until now. Okay, let's see what happens. But
0: yeah, human body is a machine. <laughs> it keeps. It's never going to be brand new. It is always going to have a wear well, and you you filled your life with so many good things that uh, anything bad doesn't have so much time. I would say you were probably too busy doing good to others, and that's
1: what know. I See. see. Whenever you feel bad or sad about anything is uh, to look upon people who are much more underprivileged than us and just ask ourselves why are we living about something which which doesn't make sense. Holding on to something and worrying about it is never going to solve it. So uh, as human beings all of us would have our ups and downs but it's the point of like to keep moving ahead that is what is important like to be held on by what doesn't work is neither going to help you or not going to help your family or not going to help the society which we are living in i i think is is the most practical thing like we are not programmed to hold on to grief as human beings mm. we would like if we want we can overcome it we could we should that that is the whole purpose of life too and why for every day and how do you survive until you have up
0: and downs, you're not going to become wise that's it it's a very interesting point that you brought up so i was just going to ask you have you found your purpose in life and are you are you driving yourself towards uh, the final destination or the final goal in your life
1: well anything fixed in the mind, anything about whatever feels, whatever I enjoy doing, that is, that is what I would do is, whatever I enjoy doing, I would do it. If I don't enjoy doing something, I will never do it, however the push may be. I Mm -hmm. never fix goals where I don't enjoy doing, Then it's time to move on. It has always been that when I do, I give 100% and enjoy what I do. And if there is a point when I start questioning why I'm doing this, or does it make sense to me, or is it relevant to me anymore, I don't do it and I look what makes me much more uh, worth to do, or something like that. And I think. um, that, um, that would be the end point. Like, of course, I have absolutely like at this point of life. I'm like thinking, what do I want to do? How long I can I keep up this level? Uh, do I slow down? Well, tell and then. And I always believe that okay, you should have dreams, but you also should have contingency dreams. So if something wrong happens, you still
0: have your contingency dreams to keep up the way you're not disappointed. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for someone who's uh, had such a, an ambitious life or someone who's uh, seen a lot of emergency situations in life living at Haiti or uh, the Ivory Coast or the Tibetan border, Ebola, you know, so on and so forth. It's a huge list. Uh, how do you define success? What do you think, how would you rate success in your life? Or what do you think success is all about? first of all i I think success is
1: something which others measure you. It's not about what you feel about yourself. It's a success for one person might not be a success for others. Everybody has their unique equations to to have the personal and professional satisfaction in whatever I'm doing okay, would be the equation if at all I want to measure the success so there's no end point. it's a constantly evolving i mean what seems relevant now will not be the same will not have the same relevancy after a few years time the past glories are past glories like you know like okay second of october this is a big day and why we are celebrating and as the kids now the second of october oh it's a government holiday that's it so Down the lane, do you leave your imprint no way i think and those people who have managed to achieve their it was not a conscious effort to be there. It was a part of a bigger picture which they were moving on to, and uh, I think that is the way to go about it and not be limited by
0: certain terminologies, right? Yeah, I think you live each day to its fullest, yeah. and that's um, yeah, yeah. And My famous, yeah, my,
1: the 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 thing I like best is to keep saying tomorrow is another day.
0: That's very nice. Uh, and what is your advice for? a young doctor, let's say, who's about to start on the first assignment.
1: This profession, not everybody get a chance to get into this. I've seen people really striving hard and you are fortunate enough to become a doctor. I think people should really give 100% to it. This is one profession where you can actually relate to people. where people look upon to you, people think you as a leader give you the responsibility for taking their health, care of their health and I think that first decide whether you are good for this profession because it needs a lot of sacrifice and then if you really think then you give what you can give to the patients that is that is the right of every patient. The The respect we get in the society is just because what we contribute selflessly towards them
0: and I think that
1: uh, the compassion uh, to envisage ourselves in their place uh, it's not easy for us sometimes like I remember unless you get a headache you never realize what does it mean you just that's a prescription take that take this, take that and then until you know what is a headache you wouldn't appreciate what it means to the patient so it doesn't mean that you have to undergo kind of all the disease process for that, but I think that, that that is something like what we used to say, being a sharp doctor or a very knowledgeable doctor is something different from being a wise doctor. And I think everybody should try to become the wise doctor who not only practices medicine as a science, but
0: as an art, I belong the whole school of medicine. I think that was a very good advice.
1: Advice something i wanted to share no it a share as a belief
0: okay mm-hmm. yeah sure sure yeah i think there's a lot that one can learn from you and uh, suggestions maybe we could say and a very inspiring life of a inspiring journey of a doctor i should say and i'm very very proud to have been uh, you know in touch with you over the years thanks to the technology And really feel honored to be your friend. You are always my friend.
1: Friends are forever
0: friends, okay? Thank you so much. And uh, yes, it was wonderful talking to you. I think we have a lot of valuable points to uh, take home. And I wish you good luck for your future. I think the world needs more doctors like you. Thank you so much, Kalyani, for being with us today. Thank you. (laughs) Human beings have the need to be needed. My dear friend Kalyani, who is at times even ready to lose her identity as a doctor just to be there for her patients, was quick to realize that doctors don't play the role of the Almighty God. Thank you Dr. Kalyani for being there, inspiring many a medical team, paramilitary units and patients to do better and helping the people in need. Salutations! to the inspirers in our lives. Thank you so much for listening in. I look forward to receiving your comments on how you like this conversation and if you found it inspiring. I'm also glad to receive any questions you would like me to ask our next guest. Do write to me at empress at also, please do visit us at bogia.online slash emperors to get to know more of such leaders and how you can lead like the Impressive Emperors.